We're not even to the halfway point of the season, Adam Gorney, but we already have several Power Five jobs open, coaching chaos, and we decided to talk about it, sit down. Let's start with Wisconsin. Opens up this weekend. Paul Christ gets fired, leaves, agrees to less money, whatever you want to say. You wrote that it uh, felt a little hasty. I saw the Wisconsin fans coming at you on Twitter. So <laughs> what do you think? Let's talk about it. Well, yeah, I, I definitely think it was hasty. And first, I'll acknowledge the things that were concerns. Yes, the recruiting department was either non-existent or a mess. Um, he wasn't thrilled to be much of a recruiter. I completely understand that. But the proof is in the pudding here. And he won about as many games as Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> he in the entire Big Ten, he's ranked third in win percentage right now, four percentage points higher than James Franklin, 10 percent more than Kirk Ferentz. So I definitely think this was, you know, there were things that needed to be resolved and figured out. Um, but I also think this was we don't want Jim Leonard to leave. We want him to stay. And and so let's get rid of Paul Christ for Jim Leonard and hope that he brings us into the 21st century. Now, that might be a good move, but Paul Chris won football games. I mean, he was in the Rose Bowl just a couple of years ago. He, like I said, he won his one fewer game than Jim Harbaugh did at Michigan. Mel Tucker got a huge deal at Michigan State. He's far, he's won far more percentage of games uh, than Mel Tucker. So I think this was definitely reaction to Brett Bielema going in there and embarrassing them. The team has not looked like like the typical Wisconsin teams of the past the last few weeks. But if you take an entire resume of what Paul Christ has done in Madison to fire him over a few bad weeks of football or maybe even a year that doesn't go well for Wisconsin, I think is very hasty. Yeah, so my initial reaction was similar to you. Like, what are they doing? I mean, even we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when it kind of came up behind the scenes. It was like, Oh, they're, they might fire him. And I was like, why, <laughs> why would they fire him? Like, look at his yeah. record. Are you insane? But then yesterday, you know, I took a look. And if you combine, okay, the, this, this year's a bad start. They weren't great last year. 2020 was a, you know, you shouldn't even count for anyone's consideration. But they weren't great in that shortened season. But also, then, you know, my Italian brain got to thinking, and it's clear that they're probably going to win no matter who the coach is, as a competent human. They're going to go four and one, five and oh, you know, down the stretch. And like, so then a conspiracy theory came up. Obviously, they don't want Leonard to leave. Heard his name mentioned with other judges. We've heard his name come up as an NFL coordinator, maybe even NFL. And I just think. They this could have been avoided had they done it in the offseason. Like we saw, I mean, the, the first thing that came to mind was when Oregon kind of pushed out Mike Bellotti for Chip Kelly for the same reason. Um, we've had plenty of coaches and waitings where have worked out and ha haven't worked out. So I just think they said, Look, we got to get we got to get old man Chris up out of here. We want Leonard now. The, the coast is clear for him to, to go four and one, five and oh, and win the job, right. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, the, he is set up well for this. Um, and Jim Leonard's a very competent coach and a very good coach and up and coming. Um, but, you know, do you get rid of Ryan Day for uh, Brian Hartline? I mean, what are we what are we doing here? Do you get rid of Jim Harbaugh because Josh Gad, you know, because they have coaches that are in waiting that are very talented coaches? I mean, 
The guy won 72% of his games. Only two coaches in the entire conference won more. Um, I, I just think it's an overreaction off of some bad football the last two weeks. Ohio State might be the best team in the country. So going there and losing by 31 certainly wasn't good. The team did, did, didn't look like it, its normal self. They should have blasted Washington State, which is a very good football team, but they should have muscled them and overpowered them. I understand that the Illinois game was a disaster. I understand that things are not going well. But, yeah, the setup is very favorable here. Um, Wisconsin could win out. Um, Northwestern is a bad football team. We've all seen it. They have they have very little hope. Uh, Michigan State kind of bouncing around. Who knows how good they are. Purdue's decent. Maryland is good and might be able to outscore them, but in big games plays poorly. Iowa, Wisconsin will probably be 6-3. And then Nebraska and, and then Minnesota to finish up. So it, it is set up for Leonard to kind of really build the steam here. But my point is, why not build it with Chris? Why not let him, you know, after a, after a bad start to the season, finish nine and three or, you know, finish out and, and win 10 games, go 10 and three, which is exactly what Wisconsin has done for 150 years. So I, I just don't get it. I understand the Jim Leonard thing. I understand that you don't want him to leave, but you're, you're, firing someone who's very very good at his job for someone who we think is very good at being a head coach so one thing that that sort of confused me was i saw these people oh bila was sticking it to him how does wisconsin feel now it's like he left right yeah. i mean they didn't fire him he left to go to arkansas yeah so why are we acting like wisconsin maybe okay maybe they didn't pay him enough but it, the way i remember going down was he kind of he spurned them I also wife. remember, yeah, I also remember that he was complaining about the educational requirements in Madison, and that's why he went to the SEC. Um, not that SEC schools don't hold the, their kids accountable for great grades, but uh, yeah, it is much harder uh, to to get kids into Wisconsin, to have them pass classes. And, and I think Bielema kind of openly said that, that that's why he was going to the SEC, because he felt that there was sort of a cap on what he could do at Wisconsin and then went to Arkansas and didn't do very well there. So, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's not something that they got rid of. They wanted Bielema to stay. Bielema was essentially Paul Christ before <laughs> Paul Christ. So, um, you know, I, I understand them. I understand the move. I just don't agree with it. And I think it was overreactionary to a few bad weeks of football. All right. So right now we expect them to do everything they can to support Leonard give him the job. Everybody makes everybody look good when they win the game. So we'll monitor that. But that one's kind of, to me, is it seems like an open and shut kind of case. Now, Colorado, they fire Carl Durrell. And, you know, when, when they hired him, I, I thought I was a bad hire because I remembered him being the UCLA coach and not being very good. And then they kind of started out pretty well. And I was like, oh, maybe I was wrong. Maybe Carl Durrell's changed a lot. Uh, and then, of course, now they're horrible, but <laughs> they lost a lot of key players to the portal. They got worse. They've never figured out a quarterback. The one thing that was odd to me and that I give Colorado a pass on is the way it went down with Mel Tucker. They had a good coach. And if you remember, the, he left at such an odd time in the calendar. They really didn't have a lot of options. So they end up hiring Darrell. It doesn't work out. The crazy thing to me was that they're paying. He has an eleven million dollar buyout. Who who else was yeah. hiring this dude? What what is going on? Uh, so Colorado is just basically a, this is the 
uh, rock bottom, isn't it? Yeah, that well, the buyout situation across college football is absolutely so insanely ridiculous. And any AD that, you know, the can is open now, so it's impossible to bring back, uh, back to reality that you could fail up so, so badly. I mean, Scott Frost was paid like $20 million and was such an epic failure at Nebraska. It's just comical that ADs still have their job um, after this. You know, the guy at the Denver Post, Sean Keeler, wrote that not only should Darrell be out the door, but so should the AD, Rick George, and the chancellor. Uh, you know, they, they want a complete overhaul there. The people are, are, are very upset. But we also have to come back to reality here. And, and yes, Carl Darrell, you know, was very poor. But he only had one full season. <laughs> like, he had the cold. Right. He came in after Mel Tucker, which was a tough spot. And Mel Tucker was seen as, like, the hero there. He went 5-7 and seven in that year. And... He, you know, he had some hope, but, you know, and it looked like things were going in the right direction. And he's obviously a very good coach, um, but he but he had a losing record there. Uh, Carl Durrell came in during the COVID year, went four and two. His first full season after all that mess, after the portal, after all of that kind of all came together was four and eight. And it's inexcusable how Colorado has played this year. I mean, they have been so terrible. Uh, TCU is a very good football team. Air Force is tough to defend. I get that, but losing by 31 to them is a joke. Minnesota's good, but 49-7 joke. UCLA's good, 45-17. They got blown out by everybody. I think everybody had the last straw at Arizona. You know, Arizona was a one-win football team last year. They're much better this year. But come on, going down there and losing 43-20 to after the game, saying that it was a frustrating day and that he always has hope and uh, – it just was going nowhere. So I understand that. And especially when your AD comes out and goes, you know, I feel the fans frustration too. Mm -hmm. Well, Colorado has one winning season since Gary Barnett in 2005. And so kids who are seniors in high school, their entire life knew nothing of winning football at Colorado. Every single year of their life, they were at a losing record. So like the glory years that would a year older than me, but the glory years, <laughs> of like Colorado football and exciting games in Boulder and, you know, throwing the 50 yard Hail Mary at Michigan. Those, no one, no one alive that plays high school football even understands what that is. That doesn't even know what it is. And so, you know, there are some good names that might take this Colorado job. It is an interesting job, but it's just, hasn't been a winning program in so many years. It's going to be tough. Yeah. I mean, you know, and the, you mentioned that there was a time when, and most people don't remember, but this was a national championship, you know, caliber school. And the way they were doing that, what was the key? They were going into LA and they were getting guys, they were evaluating people, maybe the people missed. They would take some character chances on players, yep. you know, and they know that. And guess what? That's okay. Sometimes you have to do that. So, to me, there's no excuse when you have that proximity to Texas and California and even Arizona, which now has a ton of talent. You, you, I'm not saying you need to be back to national championship level, but you should at least be making a bowl game, you know, every year. So I think you can't lose the Air Force. You can't, right. I mean, I'm sorry. You can't. Maybe if it's like a fluke where they have three possessions, not where they're throwing the ball all over here. So uh, the names you mentioned. The one that, that I didn't even think of until I read the article on our Colorado site was Bronco Mendenhall. And it's like, wow, that's 
that honestly would be the perfect person if he's, you know, ready to actually commit to rebuilding because he's kind of a holistic builder, you know, type person. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting one. He did step away from coaching for, I don't know. I don't want to say personal reasons. I don't know if that's the right word, but it seemed like he, his heart wasn't in it anymore at Virginia. That seems a little concerning. And then, and then we get to, you know, the recycled names of, do we want Tom Herman in there? Do we want Dan Mullen in there? Is that a big enough job for either one of those guys to, to kind of take on as their next job? Or do they think that they're bigger names for that? Do you go young coordinator? Like, how, how do you do, do you handle this moving forward? Troy Calhoun's an interesting one because I don't know what he would do offensively there. Would this be the Paul Johnson Georgia Tech years, which were almost all winning years, but with a quirky offense and you have to recruit a certain way to that. So that'll be interesting. Mendenhall would be a very good one if they give him time to rebuild and he wants to do that. He'd be you know, back in an area of the country that he's familiar with. He'd be able to possibly recruit Utah better to Colorado. Boulder's a phenomenal college town. There is some talent around the Denver suburbs that you should be able to win. Um, but it, it's a challenging position. But like you said, and, and I don't think Bronco Mendenhall's the type to go into L.A. and get some uh, questionable <laughs> characters. So so that might not be the hire. Um, I don't think I don't think Tom Herman or Dan Mullen would have one iota of a problem doing that. Yeah, I just, you know, the relationships there in, in Utah would be key. There's a lot of talent there. I didn't mention them in the areas. Uh, the name that, uh, you know, is not high as high on the list as I thought is Eric Bieniemy, who, you know, of course, played there. Yeah. We saw him and Mahomes getting into it on the sideline a couple weeks ago. We know he's been passed over for a ton of NFL jobs. I just think that that might be the type that could at least electrify or invigorate the alumni base and maybe get some money in for NIL purposes. Um, you know, if him and Mahomes are getting along, <laughs> he can have him help, you know, uh, be around, come to a game once or whatever. I just think I wouldn't I wouldn't just, you know, put him to the side. I do. It's going to be tough. But if you brought him in and you brought in, you know, an older guy to be associate head coach to kind of be his, you know, uh consigliere you know i mean i think it's i think it's possible but i i just it's a tough spot but with the transfer portal colorado listen boulder colorado is a beautiful place it's a beautiful campus it has a football history there's no excuse to be losing these games like they have so yeah. what happens there next one george get a chance to talk about this Gorney, because all these coaches like to fire people on Sunday evenings when, you know, you and I try to take our two hours off a week. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Collins gets fired. Of course, this is my city. You know, I know Jeff and I really liked when he came in and more importantly, you know, acted like I was a big deal. That's first and foremost. That's, that's the most important thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the problem we saw with him and I heard other people say this is not original thought. He focused so much initially on that. Oh, we're building the brand. We're building the brand. We're building the brand. Well, we need to build the program first and have an yeah. identity, and then the brand follows. I I just think he made a bad decision with the offensive coordinator the, that he brought in and stuck with for too long. Yeah, I, I let it be known that I didn't think Jeff Sims was the long-term answer there. They, they rarely didn't bring in anyone to compete with him. And even when they did, and they had a you know Jordan Yates starting last year at times, and and they almost beat Clemson. You know it was automatic once Sims came back, he was back in the lineup. And I just think that you know three years of that is is, a, is enough. But 
now what do they do? Of course, everyone says, let's hire Deion Sanders. Well, Wyler, to me, no offense, Georgia Tech. I, like I said, I live here. I drive by Georgia Tech every day. Why Sanders take that job yeah. when he's low pick of the litter? So what do you think, Corny? So it's an interesting situation because when he got the job, he was given a few years um, because he basically had to revamp the entire offensive recruiting because he was taking over for the flex bone of Paul Johnson and no one knows the flex bone better than you, Woody. So, um, you know, he had to, he had to kind of, you know, recruit offensive linemen a different way. He needed a quarterback that could throw. Um, he, he needed everything. So he got a little window there of grace, but it closed pretty quickly because there was very little progress. And, you know, he came in and we all know he had the guys, you know, weightlifting on the sidelines pregame. And that was the brand that he was talking about, that they were going to be tougher and more doggish than anybody. But like you said, the talent development, the, the player development was not there. The in-game decision-making was problematic. Um, you know, it just was not picking up. And one of the, one of the signs that I, that I think is very telling here is the first game, you know, r- really on, you know, that they, that they had, uh, they go to Pittsburgh and win, you know, like this isn't a team that's like, Oh man, I don't have Jeff Collins anymore. I don't want to play for this school. I'm hitting the portal. No, they go and beat Pitt at Pitt. Like they were fired up about this. I, I, I think that maybe, you know, it seemed like Jeff Collins was a good guy. He was good to us. He was good to you, everything else, but it's tough in terms of Dion. It does get interesting because his, you know, the best player on his team is from Atlanta. So we'd probably transfer back and play at Georgia Tech. Travis Hunter. Wonder how many kids would transfer from Jackson State to Georgia Tech. Kevin Coleman comes to mind. Some other guys that, you know, his son, Shador Sanders, makes it interesting. And I do think that if Dion is in Atlanta, a lot of those Atlanta kids will go play for him. Yeah. I I just don't know if it's a big enough job for him. Right. That's the thing is uh, that that's number one. And number two, I can tell you living in this city, you know, Dion is viewed what Jackson state is as a higher purpose than just coaching football by right. the people who live here in this city. A, a large majority. I get asked about Dion Sanders. I get asked about Jackson state every single day when I'm in the gym, when I'm going around town, people who know what I do, they say, Hey, Woody, Oh, Dion. Dion's going to watch what's going to happen. They're going to move up to FBS and he's going to lead them all the way back. And his son should be for the Heisman. And yada, like, this is yeah. not like, Hey, he's going to try to go. He's making 400 grand. He needs to go make 4 million somewhere else. Dion doesn't necessarily need the money. And I just think if he's going to make a move like that, it's going to be to Florida state. It's going to be to Auburn. It's going to be to one of a school in the South. That's a big historic th- program with a ton of money backing and a history that he can sell. Yeah. And, you know, I was a doubter of Dion. I mean, I've known Dion now for a decade, you know, in the football world from, since I worked down in Fort Myers. And I never thought he would, you know, commit to the grind of coaching like he has, but he's bought all the way in. And I don't think he's just going to hastily jump. Like I said, this is a this is not just football for him at Jackson State with his kids there, with what he's trying to do for the entire, you know, HBCU situation. Yep get funding, 
getting good players, getting guys, save, saving guys in the portal and helping them get to the NFL that may have been out of the sport otherwise. So all those things factor in. I, I don't know about the other names. I mean, I've seen a lot of names. Of course, you know, Kane Womack is my number one candidate. <laughs> we, would <love> to have, <laughs> we would love to have my cousin there uh, coaching the program, but, uh, you know, I don't know if that'll, I don't know if that'll happen, but anyone else you think makes obvious sense? Cause to me, I don't have an obvious name. No, I, I don't either. And and that's the interesting thing because from, and I don't know this, you know, intimately, but from what I've read and been told that the, the Georgia tech administration might not be looking for a neon Dion primetime, you right. know, coach prime type of guy there. Um, whether that's good or bad, that's going to be their decision. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, it seems like a place that even if you get second tier Atlanta or, suburban Atlanta or some of those kids from the rural areas of Georgia in there that you should be far more competitive than what they've been. I don't think that there's like a natural name or a fit or someone, you know, that, that has to step up from Collins' staff. I, I think that all those guys are going to be going to be gone. So it's going to be interesting to see how they go, what kind of dedication they really have here, or if they were just like, all right, Jeff Collins, you've had your time and now we need to move on. All right, Nebraska, uh, we, we've seen this one, and now it's a little more complicated just because of the situation at Wisconsin. We know uh, Lance Leipold seems to be emerging as the number one candidate. Some thought, okay, you know, he, he's from Wisconsin or has Wisconsin ties. I mean, uh, could he end up there? And now it's now it's like, okay, if they settle on Leonard, Wisconsin, uh, Nebraska fans are going to be rooting for Wisconsin every yeah. game the rest of the season so they can get Leipold. Is it a, just an automatic assumption that he will leave Kansas, especially if they finish, you know, eight and four or something like that? Yeah, because I, I think so, because the resources, the history at Nebraska are so far vastly superior than Kansas. And you can only create magic like that once. Um, you know, Dan Mullen, if he stayed at Mississippi State, I don't think he'd have them regularly number one in the country uh, like he did that one time. And he, and he made the jump to Florida. Um, so I, I, I don't think that, you know, and he said and Leipold said something like, you know, we didn't come to Kansas to move or something along those lines. And I get that. He's, he can't sit there and be like, yes, I'm taking a bigger job the second it, it comes to me. But, you know, when you think of Kansas, you think of Bill Self, you think of basketball. That's just the way it is. I understand that they're having a very good season. They're 5-0. and They're ranked ahead of Kansas State, which is amazing. It's one of the best stories in college football, if not the best story. It's fun to watch them. It's fun for Kansas to, wa to watch Kansas beat Iowa State. It's, it's just fun. But – if Nebraska comes calling, I think he jumps at that job and uh, and doesn't think twice about it. Yeah, I just I, I would feel bad for Kansas and be honest with you. Uh, you know, I know they're the big bad wolf in basketball, but, yeah. uh, you know, the fans have waited a long time. They're packing the house. We got college game day coming. It, it would be a it would be sad if they were to lose uh, him as the coach because he's probably going to take his whole staff. It's not like you know this is what we saw with a lot of these guys who move up like this. Scott Frost takes the entire staff from UCF. It's not like anybody stays behind and then you're essentially starting from scratch again. So, but guess what? He the, I'm sure the cupboard will be much more full than it was. It's crazy to me thinking thinking back now and looking at him and being like. What took so long? It took so long for someone to give him a shot just to get at Buffalo, who was terrible. 
Yeah. He turns Buffalo around. And then it's still t- then the only you know he gets Kansas. If you look at all these jobs that have flipped over, it's like, you know, he should have been a lot of ads probably kicking themselves. And then he's you know he's not young and hot and right. you know uh, guru wearing sunglasses on the sideline or whatever. But it's like he's a good football coach. So if that's who Nebraska gets, that's good. That it's going to cost a lot of money. But you know we're seeing uh, this is kind of like. In the NBA, with some of these future contracts, we're seeing guys getting fifty million a year with the new TV rights coming. The money that it, it cannot be understated—the influx of money these schools are getting. Ten million dollars is nothing now for nothing. them to, to throw down. Uh, you know, especially since you know they don't have to play, pay the players or anything. <laughs> you yeah, a lot of money exactly. To give the ones who make all the money get nothing and have to go to the mall to sign autographs for fifty dollars, but they can they can give Scott Frost twenty million and. Paul Christ, whatever million he agreed to it. Yeah. But the the, two interesting things. One, I think Kansas's run ends this week. TCU is such a good football team, man. What they did to Oklahoma was so embarrassing to Oklahoma. Ted roof was sitting up there. You saw him in the box. Like he didn't even know what to say. Like there were players running so wide open. Duggan's passes were like three seconds behind and they were just standing there catching it and running into the end zone and touch. It was unbelievable. TCU, I think is very good. And I think Kansas is going to have their hands full with them this week. It will be interesting if Leipold gets the Nebraska job, if he can recruit to Nebraska, he's going to be about 60 years old, uh, just under 60. He's not exactly like, like you said, he's not the garden variety, Scott Frost, big time name. Now it's tough to recruit to Nebraska to begin with, we all know that the Big Ten is going to be a, is a completely different animal than winning in the Big Twelve. Um, you know, I, I I just think that will be a challenge that will have to, you know he'll have to bring in some keeping Mickey Joseph will be important. Bringing in recruiters who can you know get down into Louisiana or Texas, win a lot of these Midwest battles. Uh, if Jim Leonard gets Wisconsin, he'll probably be a very good recruiter there. So. You know, Leipold is a phenomenal coach. I love him. I love everything that he's about. He's no nonsense. He's not the guy that's on Twitter every second with the Batman symbol because they got to commit. And he's just win. He just wins games. That's what I love. But you know, you got to be able to recruit to Nebraska. You got to be able to recruit in the Big Ten, and that's going to be a challenge for anybody. All right, uh, last one we got here: Arizona State. Things have been kind of static. They, they actually didn't look bad against USC. I mean, they're, they're limited talent-wise at this point. And, it's you know, to me, it's sad to see my guy Emory Jones out there taking a beating and, you know, trying to hang around with his team in a game. It's just like he deserves better than that to me. But uh, the, the names are floating around. The one that I wanted to ask you about, Kenny Dillingham, the Oregon offensive coordinator, speaking hot candidates, uh, ties to the program, ties to the state. To me, that's the guy. That would be the number one target, the number one focus. I think it's going to be tough to get him with, especially Oregon keeps winning. But uh, you know what? You you of course talked to the interim coach on your show last week. What's the feeling that that you're getting there? Is they're kind of you know just playing out the string on their schedule? Yeah, I, I think that's a little bit of it, and I think you know you got to get through this schedule. It's just it's going to be incredibly tough. They have Washington next, and then it gets a little easier, um, at least into late October. Um, but Dillingham's a very, very interesting name. He's young. Uh, he's he's coached in Arizona. He has 
tremendous connections there. Um, you know, if he could keep Sean Aguano on that staff, uh, that would be phenomenal. And, and I talked with Aguano about this and, and there's no real answer really other than bigger programs come in and take the kids, but Arizona has a ton of talent there. There's a lot of good players there. When I saw Chandler earlier this season, they had like eight, 10 division one guys on that team. If they were in the, you know, the league of, of modern day and Bosco, they'd probably be the third best team in that league, which is saying something like they're, they're very, very good. Scottsdale Saguaro has a lot of talent. There's an influx of people moving to the state. Um, I think Phoenix is the fastest growing city in the country. It's the fastest growing County in the country, which means you're just going to have more and more players to, to pick from there. So it's a job that, that where you can win. What I'm, what I think Dillingham and probably every coaching candidate is looking to see is how hard does the NCAA come down on them? What was going on there um, under Herm Edwards with the assistant coaches that either got thrown under the bus or, or, or didn't, I, I don't know exactly how that all played out with Chris Hawkins and Adam Brenneman and Antonio Pierce and, and everybody else that was involved in that situation. I, you know, Dillingham has a very nice position right now. He's, he's on a young coaching staff that's up and coming that we, we pretty much know is going to be winning a lot of games. Um, but a situation like this, where he could be a head coach, if the NCAA doesn't bring the hammer down, it gets a whole lot more uh, interesting for him. I got news for you. Then uh, this is Arizona state. If you, if you mop the floor, if you answer the phone, if you walked in that door at any time, when I start that job, you're fired. Every yeah. single person that works in and around that building, lunch ladies, every person is fired. I'm just telling you that. So no offense to you personally, but we're going to have to start from scratch because, you know, I, there's rats in the building. I had heard yeah. it behind the scenes. I heard it. Someone told me this two years ago, whenever this started, they said the people who snitched on Arizona State you know, the calls coming from inside the house. Yeah. I, well, there were rumors that there were like people that were intentionally trying to make Herm lose. Well, right. That's what I'm saying. So where there's smoke, there's fire. I heard about this two years ago, not the yeah. losing part, but that her, okay. They were breaking some rules, which uh, shocker. A lot of schools break rules. We saw air force yeah. get in trouble this past week for breaking rules, but what I was told is there's a lot of old guard people there who didn't like, didn't like the way they were handling business. And they, you know, they were the ones that maybe let it slip out. Then it comes, then you hear out that they're trying to get Herm fired by leaking information. And Troy kind of got swept under. It's all rumors. And I don't care if it's true. I've seen yeah, like, enough. Like uh, Tony Soprano here. used to have the bottom being swept once a week. You know, you got, you got to sweep these places to make sure that there's no rats. Right. So, you know, Debbie, I know you're two months away from your pension. Sorry, yeah. you're fired. Trump so got rid of the FBI director a, a week before McCabe was going to collect. So you, you're out of here. Right. So anyway, don't hey Arizona State Athletic Department. It's nothing personal. It's business. OK, so that's, how, that's how I feel about it. So Kenny Dillingham. Give me a call. You follow me on Twitter if you want to talk. We can talk a little more about yeah. it. So, all right, that wraps it up for our Coaching Chaos podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review. Adam Gorney's uh, Respect My Decision podcast, My Commitment Issues podcast. We're putting this on both feeds. 
please, please, please. We're back. We're podcasting. We got new graphics. We got new feeds. We got new guests. Uh, so lock us in. All right. Thanks, Gorney. See you.